And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. We're here talking about your uh on a nice little hot streak, Toronto Blue Jays. We were recording this here on Wednesday morning. Blue Jays are now winners of, I believe, eight of nine games after uh a very nice victory over the uh, Seattle Mariners, a, a plucky bunch of underdogs that they are. Blue Jays made a trade, trading Joe Panic and a uh, a reliever whose name is Adam McSomething. I cannot remember or probably even pronounce his last name correctly. On his way to Miami in exchange for Corey Dickerson and Adam Simber. Uh, a lot of interesting pieces here. Uh, Dickerson is, of course, hurt. Simber is a wonderfully effective-ish reliever known for his kind of sidearm submarine approach uh, was a big piece. I believe Cleveland a few years ago. Anyway, it's something the blue Jays are trying to strengthen the bullpen a little bit. You know, obviously this is the, the biggest opportunity for growth for the blue Jays roster, the easiest way to upgrade, the easiest way to get themselves into a better place. Let me tell you, if you want to be in a better place, you want to subscribe to The Athletic. You want to read Caitlin's breakdown of the trade. You want to read what uh, the Ken Rosenthal's of the world have to say. You want to read Keith Law's uh, uh, prospect evaluations. You want to read about the draft that's coming up ahead of the trade deadline. So crazy time for baseball, for transactions, which is what everybody loves. So I need you to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, sign up, get you a tidy discount. You'll get to read everything that is available under the sun. Blue Jays baseball, baseball around the league, football, college sports, hockey, basketball, Euro 2020, 2021, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it, all right there inside one app with one subscription. If you do subscribe to The Athletic, you can listen to our show, Spin Rate, ad-free. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, obviously I'm telling you to go to that link and hit, hook it up. But if you haven't yet subscribed to The Athletic, you can still subscribe to this show, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, you know, all the places where you get your podcasts, you can go in, you can subscribe, you can hit us with a rating, you can hit us with a like, all that sort of stuff. It is a great show today. I'm really excited. I had the opportunity to speak with Scott MacArthur, host of the leadoff on the Fan 590, uh, long time uh, on the Blue Jays beat, great guy, powerful story. Of course, if you, if you know Scott, you know that um, after a long uh, time, a life of denial uh, or, or just inability to live his truth, Scott came out uh, a couple of years ago. We had him on the old show, had a great talk. Uh, here it is. It is the last day, but it is still pride uh, here in 2021. So it's great to talk about Scott, about all things Blue Jays, as well as LGBT2S plus representation I forgot the cue. Uh, representation in baseball, what it means, what it can mean for the future, and uh, and just you know, there's no there's no more empathetic person. There's no person who speaks with with uh, with more conviction and more uh, authority, and and someone who is obviously very passionate about this, about these really important uh, uh, issues, social issues that that do not and are impossible to extricate from baseball. Baseball and, and sports do not exist in a vacuum. There are politics in all of these things that we love, and and there are social issues, and there is real life that is. A huge part of this, and we can't ignore it. So it's no better person to talk to than Scott. So hopefully we can get this to you ASAP before we have a national holiday here in Canada, um, and also next, oh, I guess next week in the U.S. Uh, a holiday that's going to take on a very different meaning and a very different significance here in Canada this year, um, which I think we'll talk about at another time. But for now, really excited to talk to Scott MacArthur. On this edition of Spin Rate. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time. 
You know, ordinarily I don't do this, Drew, but when the president of the Shohei Otani fan club and the assistant to the traveling secretary of the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fan club invites me on, it's hard to say no. Listen, you don't have to ask me twice to turn this into the Shohei Otani podcast. Like, <laughs> it's right on the edge here. Um, I can hear I, your voice when I read your tweets. Is that enough? That's good. That's sweet. Okay. I like that. That that's good. That <laughs> means I'm I'm doing make, I'm creating good social media content. If you can read <laughs> hear it in my voice. Um, now now of of course you are at the fan and and coasting the morning show. I mentioned I don't think I'll ever forget. So when you first came to Toronto and first started covering the Blue Jays and you were covering at TSN, you described to me what your like travel was like and how you would count. Off days slept in your own bed, and it was like one a month or something like that. It was crazy. What, that went, that would have been 2013, I guess. So it was kind of like a little bit of the bad old days, too. Uh, do you miss those days of, of covering literally every game home and away, plus doing p- playoff coverage for TSN? Yeah, it was, it was 13, 14, and 15 where I did mm. the full, full throttle. So it actually got to the good times yeah, uh, that's right true. toward the end of that, that three-year span. I mean, I think if, if it, it, it would be too black and white to answer that yes or no. Do I miss when I think about the travel and the airports and the TSA checks and the cab rides into whatever city I happen to be in and the checking in of the, at the hotel and all that. Do I miss that? No. Do I miss, <laughs> do I miss flying at 6 a.m. after the Jays played a 12-inning game the night before in the city they were leaving to get to the city that I was going to with first pitch still 13 hours away because there's a one-hour time change when I land? No. But do I miss seeing the faces? Uh, be they the manager, John Gibbons, the, the coaches of the time, and Louis Rivera and Pete Walker are still there, um, the players with whom the relationships were always interesting, be it R.A. Dickey or Jose Bautista. I do miss all of those unique and, and interesting interactions. And of course, uh, I don't obviously, and the pandemic contributes to this as well, but I don't get to see a lot of my friends on the beat, mm-hmm. the shy Davides and uh, Hazel Mays and, and Gregor Chisholm's and, uh, you know, Caitlin McGrath's like all on and on the list could go. So there's a bit of a no to it and a bit of a yes to, to that answer that question. It gives you, I think, a different perspective on the team when you're wa- not only watching, but like living there in it. And you see them every day and you are kind of wa- witnessing the players kind of go through it. What do you think your perspective, if you were up close, as up close and personal with the 2021 Blue Jays, how do you think that you, you would feel around the team? I mean, they're in a pretty good spot. They could be better, but they could definitely be a lot worse. I, I don't know what, what your sense is of, of the 2021 Blue Jays from afar. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'll, I'll start with the thought of interacting with these players. And, and I've had some opportunity to do that on a very limited basis, uh, especially in 2019 spring training, when some of these really young players were two plus years younger than mm. they are now, still really young. I, I think that some of those guys who are just coming into their own would still probably be relatively accessible and, and willing to chat and et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes guys change as the years go on. And I mean, that's not a judgment statement to the positive or to the negative. It's just a, it's just a fact, right? The bigger your name uh, becomes, the more demands there are on your time, et cetera, et cetera. And, some schlub like me hanging around in the corner waiting to talk to somebody for 10 minutes could be the last thing they want uh, on a particular day. But I, I think it would be a fun team to cover because of the youth. In terms of observing this team and, and the way that they play, uh, as I've said often on leadoff, um, and I, it's like weird and silly that the, the, the early scene from, from the movie Ghost <laughs> – where she's molding the clay. <laughs> Remember that? They're doing the pottery thing. 
this is this is a piece of clay that is in the process of turning into a really nice whatever it's going to be but it's still being molded right now um a the youth coming into its own so these players who are very good are not as good as they're going to be and when you think of that from Vladdy's perspective, that's mind-blowing that this guy might actually get better. So there's that. And then there are the various uh, holes that are quite obvious around the diamond, uh, be it uh, the challenge uh, of, of the bullpen, but that's a year-in, year-out thing that's that always changes. Uh, they've got to figure out exactly who is going to play where, on the left side of the infield. And uh, I would say that they have some defensive challenges in the outfield, uh, particularly the two corner outfield spots, although with Springer back and playing center field most of the time, that bumps Grichik to right, which creates uh, the issue in left field. Uh, Teoscar and Lourdes both have hoses, um, but how many times are you throwing a guy out at the plate or how many times are you preventing a guy on second base with two outs from trying to score on a base hit to left field such that it would offset some of the bad routes and the confusion that, that we so often see. So um, a lot of the players who are going to be here when it gets really, really good are already here, mm -hmm. but some of the players who are going to round this thing out either from the minor league system or the uh, as yet to be completed deals uh, either through free agency or just as likely, more likely trade, haven't arrived yet. It's really interesting. The defense is such a is such a. It shouldn't be as kind of up and down and and ten. Like it feels like it's we're holding trying to hold you know water in our fingers because in the early parts of the season the defense was a significant issue. They were kicking it around. You know, Kevin Biggio was really struggling at third base. Bobuchet had a terrible start to the season um, um, at shortstop. And, and it's, I think with Bo in particular, it's kind of quieted down. Um, mostly because, you know, defensive opportunities are not spread equally. You sometimes you get a bunch of tough plays in April and you're not able to make them. And then that's what we're, what we remember. But then the, 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 the story sort of shifts as the season goes on. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'm thinking about the, the outfield defense and I think that if, the, if we could classify the outfield defense as competent, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. George Springer is nothing if not a competent center fielder. Uh, Randall Gritchick is never going to be a, a spectacular outfielder, but he is certainly competent in right. He, he is he is passably competent in center. And then, yeah, left field is a bit of an adventure. Everyone loves, we love to watch Lourdes Gurriel out there uh, get thrown people out because third base coaches can't believe what he's doing out there so they're just like run just keep going there's no way he's gonna be able to get to that we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this out looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Talking about deals, so the Blue Jays, of course, acquired Corey Dickerson uh, and Adam uh, Simber uh, yesterday from the Marlins. Do you think a guy like Dickerson now has a potential to maybe cut into some of the, the playing time, um, either in left field uh, or at DH of a, of a player like Lourdes Gurriel? Like he's a bit of a wild card, injured as he is, and and kind of a you know a competent big league. I'm using that word a lot, competent, but like a guy who offers some things that the Blue Jays need, but isn't obviously the answer to a lot of their questions. Yeah, and and coming up on the end of his contract, so mm -hmm. it really just as a money thing, uh, the Jays will, 
will pay half of his salary or a little more than half for the remainder of the year. And, and if you, you've got a guy, A, who's a left-handed hitter, um, and they are a predominantly right-handed lineup, especially because Rowdy Telez um, hasn't done it this year and is now, I don't, I don't know if persona non grata is a little too harsh, but the acquisition of Dickerson for me tells you where they're at with Telez. Mm-hmm. So they get a left-handed bat who's a career almost 850 OPS against right-handed pitchers. You stick that into the lineup against righties and you can break up your your right-handed group. You can hit Dickerson toward the bottom of the so-called murderer's row if you want. You can plug him into the middle if he's going and that breaks things up a little bit. And then you can pinch hit for him with a Guriel or whoever has the night off who hits right-handed on the bench if if a platoon situation comes up against a left-handed reliever later on in the ballgame. So to me, um, the, the, I, I don't think we needed to be told this, but that was like a blunt force object to the face yesterday, the acquisition of Dickerson in terms of here's what we think of Rowdy Telez at this particular point. And, you know, with due respect to Rowdy, is he traded at some point between now and July 31st for a sack of potatoes? And then that opens up a 40-man roster spot because you, you know, depending on what's out there, I would imagine they would want to make another addition to the bullpen in support mm-hmm. of Jordan Romano. Uh, there is always the possibility, I suppose, of trying to address third base in season. Although, Drew, you know, I don't, you know, people say Kyle Seeger from from Seattle. And I think that there's a uh, an expensive option that locks in for him if he is traded mm-hmm. uh, this year. Like, is that a move that you make? Or, and people always say about Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, when are they going to get aggressive in the offseason? And it's like, well, Hyunjin Ryu in the winter of 1920 and George Springer in the winter of 2021, like they've had back-to-back off-seasons where they've been really aggressive. And Mark Shapiro was on the show last week on leadoff, and he he ended it with a promise because I made some kind of comment like, man, imagine consequential baseball this September with a bunch of people who've been locked in their homes for 16 months just looking to get out to a stadium. Imagine how crazy it'll be. Be like 2015. And he said, well, we can hold out hope, blah, 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 blah. But he said, I have one promise for Blue Jays fans. There will be consequential baseball in September for years to come. And I wouldn't be surprised, Drew, if this offseason, and I know there's all this labor uncertainty and whatnot, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a blockbuster trade that is made where some of the young prospects are packaged because there are only eight non-pitcher positions on the diamond. Mm -hmm. And if you've got more than a dozen guys who you really, really love, they can't all play for you. You can try to do the Dodgers thing and and explain to 11 or 12 guys how you're going to apportion out the playing time. And, and, and that's good. But if you got that plus even more, some of these guys are trade bait. So, um, you know, I think, I think they're going to get aggressive, but whether it's between now and July 31st really is going to depend on the market and who's truly available. Plus the Mariners are, you know, kind of hanging around the race in the wild card, right? So who knows? I feel like the Mariners are in the middle of getting a harsh lesson in realities of life outside of the American oh, League West, where they're not where that good. No, yeah. they're not that good. They've got some really they nice tore players. It all down a year and a half ago, hmm? they tore it all to the extent yeah. that what they were doing was tearing it down. They tore it all down a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they're a team that. I think is is got some bad injuries. Uh, I love Kyle Lewis. I love his game. I wish he was out there playing for Seattle, but he's uh, he's on the shelf. And you know, Jared Kalenic uh, had a rough start to the to his big league career. Doesn't mean that he won't be back. But uh, you know, a guy like Kyle Seager, I, I guess that's that's that is the question. And th- this is maybe you know, I have been very I don't know, vocal is the right word, but like. What they've, what the Blue Jays have in 2021 is something that they may not have in 2022 in terms of some of the lightning that they've caught in a bottle with Robbie Ray, with Marcus Simeon, um, even, you know, Stephen Matz to an extent. Uh, I, I think that now is as good a time as any to make 
a bold move. Maybe not. You don't want to just throw good money after bad and, 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 and go bananas just for the sake of doing something. But I think they have a real opportunity here. And I think that the fact that they have, you know, a, a nice glut of players and, and something like Rowdy Telez is, is a good example that, that the Blue Jays are, are, are kind of getting up to that line in terms of their thinking because they can't, they can't afford to just keep giving playing time to Roddy Telez, waiting for him to turn it around because the games matter now. And they are more comfortable with a player, even an injured guy as he is right now, like Corey Dickerson, knowing he's going to bring a higher floor and a, just a bigger, a, a greater ability to contribute now than someone like Rowdy. And if, you know, maybe if you trade Rowdy Telez and he goes somewhere else and becomes who he can be, that's something that if, if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm, I'm going to live with. You know, you wish Rowdy Telez well, but if, but it's like, we need to, we need to win games now and we need better at bats than the ones that you're giving us. And I think that sort of suggests something that maybe they think that there is really something happening here in 2021. It's kind of like Kyle Schwarber and the Cubs, right? Like it, it, that had run its course in Chicago. And I'm not comparing Schwarber to, to, to Les in the sense that Schwarber at least had a, a more significant track record, but this guy's hitting the crap out of the baseball for the nationals and Cubs fans would be looking around going, well, okay, we knew you had the, had power, but like, what's this? You, you've mm-hmm. turned into an elite leadoff hitter. Well, that that's life. I mean, sometimes you got to walk away for financial reasons or it just hasn't worked out. Um, finances wouldn't come into the Rowdy Telez scenario, but it, it just, it's clear that at this point, it, it's probably best for him uh, to move on. You know, the other thing that happened, and, and it happened probably about a year better with dates than me, but a week ago, enough that I asked Mark Shapiro about it last Thursday morning, Gabe Moreno playing some third base at double A. And like, so they bring in Springer, who's a veteran. Grichik's a veteran at this point. Like Teoscar's on that cusp. He's into his arbitration years now. So I, I mean, I guess he's a veteran, mm-hmm. but not really, right? He's 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 older than Vladdy and Bo, which makes him seem like a veteran, but he's right. he's really actually kind of not. So I'm thinking with third base, you're a contending team, or you envision yourself as a legitimately contending team do you Semyon's another veteran but do, do you is third base next year going to be played by your next big 23 24 year old kid coming like is a Jordan Groshans going to join Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. using Groshans as an example mm-hmm. um, on this infield for a team that says we want to win the American League East we want to be legitimate through the playoffs and we'd love to represent the American league in the world series and see what happens. I mean, I don't think the answer can be a hundred percent. No, but with Moreno playing some third base and Shapiro's just saying, well, you know, he can't catch every day, but we want his bat in the lineup because he's hitting the crap out of the baseball. Okay. That is a very logical response, but you can't tell me that it doesn't get your flags up a little bit to say, you got you like Groshans. Kevin Smith is having a pretty good year at AAA. Moreno's and they moved, now just moved him to third base as well. Right, right. As, and Moreno's having a you know a bit of a run at third. Uh, so, see to me, it's all we're showing the rest of baseball that these guys not only can hit, but they can do a little bit of this shortstop third if you're Smith catch third if you're Moreno and and I'm not saying they want to trade Moreno but if they don't want to trade Moreno because they like him a lot well what does that mean for Riley Adams what does that mean uh for the glut of catchers that they that they have both Mm -hmm. at the big league level and just about to, to to reach it so there's so much that they could do here. It's impossible to predict with accuracy what it'll be, mm-hmm. um, but it's a really fascinating time. I mean, they're a fun team to watch on the field. It's as much fun to try to figure out where their heads are with all of their guys, both at the big league level and just beneath it. That's a, that's a great point. I think, you know, when you talk catching depth is something that is about as tenuous as, as it can be. 
because it only t- how much you know what the difference in way the way maybe as fans we perceive Riley Adam before he has like a oh you know oh for twenty streak at the big leagues and Alejandro Kirk is a guy that Caitlin and I talked about on the weekend a lot about. I don't think Alejandro Kirk's trade value will ever be higher than it is right now. He's a guy who's shown he can hit it in the big leagues. He's a guy who uh, the, the Blue Jays have trusted to catch big games, but also like there are those questions about his, about his, his, his physical profile. How, what kind of a career is a, is a player with that kind of profile going to have? Maybe he's more valuable as a trade chip. And then the third base options, you know, he didn't even, we didn't even mention Aston Martin, right? Or Austin Martin, sorry. A guy who's played some right. third base, played some shortstop, played some center field. And then the other side of that is, so if, if, as Mark Shapiro told you on the air, that they're going to be having consequential baseball in September for years to come. But so say 2021, they make a few more, you know, upgrades in the bullpen. They give it their best shot. They can maybe they're hoping they'll sneak in to one of the wild card spots. God only knows what can happen. But then are you, are you starting 20, 2022 with just, gonna take three and four different young guys and, and run them out there at third base like is that is that a step forward there's a there's, again talk about risk you, you know good who knows who which of these guys is going to step up is anyone going to step up because now you're now you're really into that part of that of your window as, as the term we love to use is like this is it right 2022 is where to, if 2021 isn't where it's got to begin 2022 is like this is where the rubber hits the road you know Hyunjin Ryu is on now the back end of his contract George Springer is another year older let's go are, are having some question marks at third base where you want to be. It's, it's, I think you're right about the fascination because, you know, they could go in a lot of different directions. They could make a big splashy move to solidify third base and be like, let's, we, you know, we're ready to, ready to compete. Or they can just really continue to bet on their own player development and drafting and the ability of these guys to step up. And I, I honestly don't know which way I prefer to see them go. Well, and I think the other thing, uh, Drew, is that, you know, like Vladdy hits arbitration for the first time this year. And I mean, God only knows what the projections are, but he is a first timer and he's a super two. So it's his first of what'll be four as opposed to the usual three turns through arbitration. And when I use the term prohibitive, it's it's just for the point. It's it's not that I actually believe that this is prohibitive for, for the ownership for Rogers, but it's still a couple of years before Vladdy becomes quote prohibitively expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, before he's an eight-figure guy, like he he could win the American League MVP award this year. He's not getting eight figures in arbitration coming off of his pre-arb first two plus almost three full years in the bigs. He he's going to make more mm-hmm. uh, because of his year than he would have otherwise, but he's still not going to be crazy. Bo is 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 still a bit of a ways off. Like you're. Your youthful core is, you know, and 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 Ryu's contract expires just as Vladdy is and Bo and and these guys are into the latter years of their arbitration eligibility. So you've got this window of money to play with as well. And I know people's eyes start to roll into the back of their heads when they think about this. You're Rogers. Why don't you just pay everybody and you know, I'll carry a three hundred million dollar payroll? Well, that's not how it works. And and whether we like that or not, it's not how it works. So, so I do think that there's some wiggle room here as well from a budget perspective where they can attack what they identify as their needs while some of their really good young players are not overly expensive yet. And, and so that's another layer to this whole cake. It's it's really an exciting time, and and you know well, while the future is exciting, I think that we, we can really talk also about the present. I mean, you know, you have been you have been uh, adamant on Twitter and 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 on the show about the Blue Jays owe it to their core to upgrade the bullpen. So you know, Simber is a nice start, but do you think that we'll we'll probably see a couple more? You know, what 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 would you like to see? I mean, the Blue Jays do in the bullpen beyond a guy like Simber, which is a little bit of the raise model. Let's kind of drop the uh, drop the eye, drop the eye angle, kind of just come at people from a different way. But uh, it's not nothing. That's for sure. I like Simber a lot. I mean, my, my only concern for him is that he's not a strikeout guy, which doesn't mean he can't pitch in the big leagues, as his numbers would tell you. But if you're not a strikeout guy, what's happening? If you're not a strikeout guy, you're not a walk guy and you don't give up home runs two of those three things are really good. What's happening? The ball's in play. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're facing right-handed hitters, what typically happens if you're a guy who doesn't give up a lot of fly balls, doesn't strike a lot of guys out, doesn't walk a lot of guys, what's happening to the baseball? It's in play to the left side of the infield, right? Mm -hmm. So pick the ball up, throw the ball across the diamond. That needs to happen for, for Simber to be truly effective. Um, but it's a good get. And and I guess Kimming and the Marlins are just, you know, salary dumping here on the Dickerson front, like get something. I, I, I have to be honest. I don't know anything about the double-A pitcher the Blue Jays gave up. Um, so that's my bad. Um, and Joe Panic was just a guy at third base who – uh, didn't field that position particularly well and put up a 265, 270 on base um, at the plate. So, I, I mean, I guess the Marlins are just divesting at this point. It's a good get for the Blue Jays. I mean, there's almost zero risk here. Mm-hmm. And 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 I would imagine that they will uh, seek out more arms. You know, they went and got Jacob Barnes. Is, like, is a Rodriguez out of Pittsburgh a guy they go get? Well, that's going to cost you more. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. so how how humped up are they to part with a prospect? Are they are they too prone to risk aversion to to jump in? I think the one thing is, is that, you know, when we were really being loud about this, they were playing good teams and they were cacking up games late that they could be winning. Now they've played some not so good teams and they've won eight of their last nine. And as we sit here this morning on June the 30th, Drew, and quite frankly, it should be nine in a row. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's go back to that Friday night against Baltimore. It should be a nine game winning streak at this point. Like, I don't know how many more messages this young core has to give to the front office to say, we're good. You know, Mark Shapiro did reference the run differential, you know, and that was a not, not the least of his concerns at that point, but that was one of the motivating factors for Alex Anthopoulos in 2015. I mean, I also think he saw like, I'm not going to be here. Mm-hmm. So he's going to throw everything out there. And I'm not saying the Jays are just going to blow up their farm system to, to save the bullpen for 2021. But I, but I do think, I do think if there's a move or two to be had to go and get a consequential arm, then you're looking at Jordan Romano and you're saying, Hmm. So you're a ninth inning guy is your eighth inning guy. Who do we like best against? Like the one thing I really want to get rid of next, um, aside from home plate umpires, is <laughs> is the st- the save statistic. And mm-hmm. I know relievers and pitchers will tell you routine. Like Drew Storen, when he came to Toronto, you remember that name? Almost you don't, but it was, was a, it was there was a dark 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 chapter in Blue Jays history. It was, it was a dark chapter, but like one of the things he said was, you know, as the closer in either Washington or Cincinnati, he said, I had a routine as the, and he wasn't complaining in the way that he was saying it. He said in the, when I'm an eighth inning guy now behind Roberto Osuna at the time, he's like, by the sixth inning, I'm trying to figure out, is this a game I'm going to get into? Is, am I, am I not, you know, when should I start loosening and doing the arm exercises? And then, playing catch and getting on the mound and this and that. And then I get warm and then I cool off and the score of the game changes. Now they don't need me. And and he says it happens a lot more as an eighth inning guy than a ninth inning guy, all of these variables. And, and so I account for that when I say this, but imagine having two or three guys that you'd like, that you like in your bullpen to shut down a game. And then you can say guy A or Jordan Romano. I don't mind him in the eighth when two, three, four, three, four, five comes up. I'd prefer him against those guys, and I'll let the other guy get the save statistic because he's going to have six, seven, eight, or seven, eight, nine in the ninth inning. And if we can get, and typically it would have to do with changing how arbitration figures are awarded, et cetera. It's always always comes down to the finances. But if we can get away from I gotta have the the notch under the SV column in my in 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 my statistical bracket. We can get away from that and mm-hmm. get pitchers just satisfied with, hey, dude, you're doing us a bigger deal in the eighth inning than in the ninth because you went, you got Judge Stanton and Voider, whoever. Mm-hmm. Then 
I think that's part of it. You want to have multiple options late in the game because starters, starters don't pitch into the eighth anymore right. unless they're having a low pitch big night and they're you know unhittable. So you got to have multiple arms and you got to be able to what rack up some saves in the eighth as much of the uh, seventh and eighth as much as the ninth. There's a guy plays on a team in the National League. I think they've lost five games in a row. I wonder if they would be. Does interested. his name rhyme with? Mreg Mrimble? It might. It M- might. M- Mimbrel? Yeah. That would be, I, I think that he's going to, if if the Cubs decide, uh, for those who don't know, Scott is, Scott MacArthur is a notorious Cubs fan, uh, long lifelong Cubs fan. So this is, uh, we're having a little bit of fun. But uh, They're not that good. And they, like, they weren't good last year. Mm-hmm. They would not have made the playoffs in a 162-game season. They're not as good as they, I mean, it, Bryant's had, I know he struggled a bit lately, but generally had a nice bounce back entering his or, you know, about to enter free agency for the first time, but they're not that good. And as the Darvish trade proved and whatnot, the gazillionaire owner and great financer of the Republican party in the United States um, thinks he's broke with regard to his baseball team. And, and so, you know, if they, if they spit the bit here uh, further, it may compel them to take the teardown another few degrees. And you could get stuff for Craig Kimbrell. Unless you roll over and play dead like they did with the Darvish trade. But, you know, you could get, you, you should be able to get a prospect of some regard in a Craig Kimbrell trade. If you're the so, Cubs and if you're the Blue Jays, maybe you can get Craig Kimbrell. And then you then you're just asking Jordan Romano to do different things and maybe pitch in the seventh yes. or the eighth inning. The domino effect is an amazing thing. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I, I don't want to let you go. I, should, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I, I do want to talk to you about uh, some of the other stuff that we talked about. We had you on the show, on the old show last year, after you had uh, I'd first come out and announced that you were going to live your truth and be your true self. And I know that uh, here at the last day of Pride, but something we obviously want to talk about, I know Sportsnet did a really great, uh, really beautiful video with you and your family talking about that process and what it was like for you. Uh, where do you see this in baseball? I know the Blue Jays have got some, some some pride uh, themed stuff that you can get and the Yankees were wearing a pride uh, pride themed hat and the the Giants. Do you feel like there's actual movement on this issue in in baseball or is this more of like a rainbow washing kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I've always, you know, when I think about this struggled with um, intent versus result, um, like if I see somebody walking down the street with a with a rainbow Blue Jays logo, my thought is that person is an ally. Mm-hmm. You know, well that person may also be LGBTQ plus. So I don't know this person, but it, it, they could also be um, an ally, and and that is 
wonderful. And then there is also the opportunity for the franchise, the corporation to sell the merchandise that makes the franchise, the corporation some money mm-hmm. on the backs of LGBTQ plus people who for decades and centuries have been oppressed, persecuted, in some cases murdered uh, for being uh, who they are. So it's always it's always the push and the pull. But, you know, I, I think in the wake of, of Carl Nassib, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders defensive lineman who, who came out, I, I, I think that that's important. But, you know, I think more drew of the, of the kids and the teenagers today. Like if you, you know, how old do you have to be to have memories that actually stay with you? Seven or eight? And that might be a little too young to understand some things, but let's just say eight years old. Well, equal marriage came into law 16 years ago in this country. So if you add eight to that, pretty much if you're 24 years old or younger in this country, you have no recollection of a world you haven't lived in a world where equal marriage hasn't been the law. That's an entire generation of humanity. In the United States, equal marriage became law about six years ago. And so there are young teenagers now who don't know a a different world. And I think, I mean, it's not exclusive to equal marriage. And there are a lot of pockets, both in our country and the United States. And there are certainly large swaths of the world where it's still not safe uh, to be LGBTQ plus, but I, but I think from a grassroots perspective, using the equal marriage example, we're getting to a point now where the next generation doesn't know any differently, and they're learning about it in in schools and, and in health class. And I hope that that doesn't change, despite the efforts of some governments to um, to push us back into a, a different era on that front. And, and so it, you know, it, it gives young kids who are struggling with their identity, their sexuality, their gender identity, it gives them information. It doesn't change anybody or convert anybody. Most mm-hmm. kids are going to grow up to be straight. <laughs> they will. They're mm-hmm. not going to go, oh, that sounds interesting. I think I'm that. It gives information to the children who are, who are, kind of in an internal crisis. I don't fit here. I don't fit there. Well, oh, oh, this, I hadn't thought of that. I can identify with that. Maybe this is who I am. So these things are important and, and sports is no different grassroots. So, you know, when a Carl Nassib comes out and we celebrate him, that's great. When I come out, people say, oh, okay, cool. I mean, there's somebody in the sports media industry who's doing this. Well, Carl Nassib and I have something in common. Uh, we are, to use a community term, I mean, we are more mask. We're more masculine gay men. Uh, I would love for um, more effeminate, for lack of a better way to put it, more effeminate gay men, gay boys, uh, at five, six, seven years old, when they're playing t-ball, when they're playing soccer, when they're putting on skates for the first time, I would love it if they could enter a welcoming environment because then they don't grow up resenting sports and sports culture. And perhaps we don't, as a general fan base, miss out on a Hall of Fame talent who walked away at eight or nine or 10 years old because they said, I don't need to put up with this BS. I don't need to put up with this bullying. Mm-hmm. I'm not welcome here. Screw that. You know, I often say about the Toronto Argonauts in our city, nobody cares about the Toronto Argonauts, but they are interested in telling you why they don't care. It's weird. I don't care about the Argonauts, but let me tell you why I don't care. I apply the same philosophy to the gay men I know with regard to the sports and sports culture conversation. They don't care about sports, but they are more than happy to tell you why they don't care about sports. And that's because there is a wound there. There is trauma there and it goes back to childhood and rejection and bullying and cruelty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So where we've got to get to 
and it ain't happening tomorrow or next week. But where we've got to get to through the years is that these young people can grow up in an accepting environment, be themselves wholly and fully, and enjoy sports if they also, when I say wholly and fully, I don't just mean their sexuality or their gender identity. I mean that they can pursue the things that they enjoy. And, and if that is sports, they need to be able to have the space to, to pursue these things in a safe environment in the very same way you would want for your own kids. And so that's where we've got to get to, and it's, it's, it's going to play out over time. Uh, but I have to choose to be optimistic rather than my usual cynical self, uh, because if I'm not optimistic, I'll drive myself nuts. I think uh, you've made a great point. I would love to see the the, uh, the Blue Jays take these things to the next level as well. Allow those 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 moments for you know virtue sig- signaling has taken on like a negative connotation. But it, but as you said, if you see someone who's wearing like a rainbow uh, 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 Blue Jays logo, or, or if they buy uh, a Yankees hat that has that it has has the the, the Philadelphia uh, pride flag as well as the trans flag all integrated into it, like they are signaling virtue that they are in fact an ally, and that's not a bad thing. But also for the for organizations like the Blue Jays to be involved in these grassroots communities and, and contribute and make not not they don't have to stick Blue Jay stickers up inside the five one nine or some of the places that are just around the corner from the Rogers headquarters or just up the street from the Blue Jays uh, from the from the stadium. But there's so much opportunity to do advocacy and, and to 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 spread their wings a little bit and and make a positive contribution continue to make a positive contribution like they do with uh with junior jays and some of the things where they do ballpark uh, uh renovations and throughout the city uh include these i think in their roster of uh of of, of community outreaches and uh there's no bad there's no downside from my perspective from them and I, well, to, and to I, get there and i think and i think drew when you talk about that i mean what typically runs in concert with efforts like that, a couple of players show up, mm-hmm. right? And I think that any player who I, I keep going back in my mind as you were talking there to Kevin Pilar, you know, who had that incident in Atlanta, and then very quietly, although John Lott did a wonderful job a few months later pulling it out of Kevin, but and and then wrote a great piece in the Athletic about it, um, you know. Kevin went into the community and I'm not going to speak for Kevin Pillar, but I'm going to assume, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm going to assume it was his first time in his life talking to young LGBTQ plus people or to, to, to members of the community and hearing their stories and going, Holy crap, this, this young man got, kicked out of his home when he came out. You know, he's been living under a bridge and he's been availing himself of these these services, you know, just to get a blanket and a, a bowl of soup and this and that. Like this, this is real life stuff. And so I, I think it also, it, it, it works both ways and that it creates a more welcoming environment for uh, LGBTQ plus people, but it also can serve as an educational tool for people like players who may very much be an ally if they gave it even half a second of thought, but have never been confronted with it. And then they go into the community, they go, Oh my goodness, these stories have moved me. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a, it's, it's a, it's an important sort of circle there. It, It can work both ways. And then if you become more of a sympathetic and empathetic player, uh, you are a safer place for a potential LGBTQ plus teammate. Uh, you're a potential safer place to be around, a safer space. You can hold a safer space for people. And so it, it can work in a variety of different ways. And, you know, I, there seems to be this brick wall. And I prefer to try to think of it like a game of Jenga. If we keep taking blocks from the bottom closer to the foundation, eventually this thing is going to fall. Mm-hmm. Um but there seems to be this almost still impenetrable brick wall. And so we like uh, in Berlin in 19, what was it? 91, 1989, when the wall came down, let's just keep taking the mallets and the sledgehammers to it. And if we keep swinging, eventually we're going to make enough dents that, that we puncture some wounds in it and it'll never look like it did before. 
that's a great that's a great note to go out on and i and i think about you know the circle thing that you 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 mentioned as well where it's like when we have more representation within the organization within the even on the on the on the comp side on the pr side where there where there's someone who's going to be able to advocate for these different kinds of experiences and and let's we should the blue jays need to be in these spaces as a as a brand as a team as a part of the community how would just can continue to 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 build that that virtuous cycle and to 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 arm more people with those with those hammers and 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 have more and more people getting their hands in there and, and taking those bricks out. Scott, I really appreciate you coming on uh, on your on your vacation on your day off. This is incredible. Where can the let the people know where they can hear you and where they can find you on social media? Of course, and uh, and again, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah, I, I always enjoy our conversations, Drew. Um, Lead off Sportsnet five ninety the fan uh, six to nine each and every weekday morning, uh, traditionally 590 on the AM band. You can also get us at sportsnet.ca slash 590 to listen live. You can follow me on all my social media accounts. Um, I did this more for me uh, because, you know, it's easier to remember. I, I, I have the same handle uh, at Scotty with a Y at Scotty Mac thinks uh, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, that's that's where I am. So, uh, and the DMs are always open to discuss mental health issues. Uh, I do field the odd baseball question, so I'm always happy to uh, engage in that. And uh, not dissimilar to you, my friend. Every now and then, I get a little overly emotional, and as I'm watching a game, and I'll throw some opinions out there. Actually, you you do a much better job of. I'll just every now and then I'll find myself in a mood. And then four tweets later, I'm like, was that really worth it? <laughs> you seem to have a much better lid on that than me. But I tend to just drop in in the seventh inning of a game where it's all gone wrong. It's like, where's this guy been for six innings when they were building a six to one lead? Well, now it's seven six for the other guys, and he wants to go on about the bullpen. But it's an emotional, it's an emotional time for us all. Watching the Blue Jays, yeah, watching the Blue, Blue Jays bullpen is Living like in a, our fields. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it is its own uh, micro version of baseball trauma. Uh, Scott MacArthur, always appreciate the, the the chat. Thank you so much for taking the time. Always fun. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.